Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 100. We made it, Ben. We made it. I have no episode idea what you're talking about. 100 of DM Discussion, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and of course, the voice in the background, as always, is Ben Bubba. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. I mean, it's kind of uh, kind of sad that this is going to be our last episode. Just you know, right as we hit 100, uh, it's good. You know, good round number to. Oh, I'm sorry. What? No. Oh, we're going to continue on after this too. Oh man. Okay, that's just that's just amazing. That absolutely amazing. I'm so glad we got renewed. Yeah, me too. I mean, it was like you know right on the edge right there. I mean, I just had yeah, to hand it to the, me on with the, the contract and everything. Oh man. On the bubble. Yep. <laughs> but seriously, it turns out they will continue to make dungeons and dragons content. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Whew. Yeah. I mean, I thought 2024 was going to be the end of it, but Hey, we're good. I was a little worried. But yeah, no, we're good. We're good. <laughs> seriously though. Happy 100. Happy 100. Uh, it is, it's crazy because it doesn't necessarily feel like it's been this many. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's, and this is, this is quite like, this is, this is a very, uh, a very like significant podcast episode too. Cause this is, that's a, that's a lot of episodes. Yeah. This is when we can get syndicated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> get the get the reruns going. <laughs> the nice the, the nice thing about this podcast, because uh, as as some people might know, you and I have been podcasting for quite a long time. Not mm -hmm. necessarily even just together, but just in general. I did a very uh, long, very successful uh, Heroes of the Storm podcast mm -hmm. before before this one uh, that ran for I believe it was two hundred and four episodes oh. before blizzard unceremoniously killed the game and i've never <laughs> forgiven them <laughs> but that one was a lot of it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun uh had a great many years of that going on we did that weekly uh as well which was which was super cool uh but that podcast the content after a few weeks was kind of just not super viable, yeah. not super valuable. Like you, you, it would drop down to like maybe 10 to 20% being, being like worthwhile going back and, and listening to it. Uh, especially, you know, patches and how heroes worked and all that stuff uh, may not be the same in six months. Uh, but the, the, the thing I love about this podcast is for the most part for like probably 85 or 90% of the stuff we talk about is not, does not necessarily get old. And in fact, it might not even necessarily be fully D and D related. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's one of the fun things. I mean, um, I was doing Azeroth Roundtable. I just looked because I wasn't sure 420 episodes of that. And yeah. none of that is relevant anymore at all. No, no, no. Yeah. Beyond <laughs> like, you know, the, the, the five to 10% of just fun stories or anecdotes or, uh, like personal experience type things. Yeah. That I it's, it's nice doing a podcast for that is like long lasting mm -hmm. that I can go be like, Hey, if you started episode one, it's probably mostly relevant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun. And you know what? Um, just building the show, having the guests that we've had and just all the various topics that we've had, even if we've retouched some, we always have a different perspective just based off of 
you know, what we've played, what we've done, what we've seen and everything. So like, even if we repeat a topic in some way, we have more to add to it. And I'm actually really happy about that. And it, it, it's just been great getting here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things I want to start doing a little more, it's not going to happen this episode, but as we look to our next, you know, 25, 50, hundred episodes, um, I want to start doing a little more community review type mm-hmm. stuff, taking some of the cool stuff that we've, we've seen and kind of deep diving into it. Uh, I know for me specifically, like I want to, I want to do like a, a book review of uh flea mortals, which is MCDM's monster book. They've got mm-hmm. a few custom classes that are super cool. There's a bunch of stuff on the DMs guild uh, that is really cool that we have used over the years. That would be fun to deep dive into. There are stuff from Cobalt Press, stuff from 2C Gaming, stuff from all sorts of like third parties that are is super cool. Um, so may, look look for more of that type of thing uh, in the future as we go as That's well. That's the plan. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk about what we've got in this episode. So we're going to talk a little bit about feedback in this episode. We, we haven't really done like a dedicated feedback type episode. So we're going to talk about it from both the player and the DM perspective. Yes. Uh, and then we've got a really fun monster fixer where we're going to talk about some golems, uh, which is a very unique, very fun type of monster that can show up in a lot of different areas. Uh, but first off, let's, let's talk about feedback. So Ryan, I enjoyed this show. I think that you should do a hundred more episodes. Um, now as a player in a game that you've played in, you're very creative and I enjoy the, the situations that you find yourself getting into. Well, thank you, Ben. I appreciate that feedback and I will apply it to a hundred episodes more episodes of the show. <laughs> Fantastic. And that's all we need to talk about. There we go. That's all you need to talk about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now that's uh, giving feedback is honestly, I, I believe giving good feedback is a skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, it very much is. It's something you can develop. It's something you can improve upon. Uh, and there are good and not as good ways <laughs> to go about it. So let's, let's start from from the player perspective um this and this could go for basically any sort of tabletop rpg mm-hmm. that you you might be playing this is not necessarily just dnd specific um good feedback from a player perspective uh so my first my first tip on this is probably a, a little bit subjective um but a lot of times if I'm going to give feedback on something, uh, you don't want to give feedback necessarily. They could start a massive conversation that could derail the session you're playing. Mm-hmm. And this is like, like a during the session thing. If there's something you don't agree on or something you really liked uh, or something you wanted to talk about uh, and it can't be solved with a few sentences and could potentially derail the flow of the game or could potentially uh, spawn an argument or, or could something like that, write it down, make a note, talk about it right afterwards. 
because that will be a much more appropriate time. And like I said, this does not apply to necessarily everything. If there's something that is like a line and veil type thing mm-hmm. that is going on, obviously address that immediately. Then. Yeah. If yeah. this, if there's, if there's like a, if it's like a mechanic or a rule or a something about, uh, about, like the overarching part of the story or something like that. That's probably more uh, of something that could probably wait until the end of the session. Like you might make a, as a DM and this is specifically for a DM, you might make a quick ruling on it and maybe you make a note to go back or the player sees that ruling you made. And maybe you disagree with it or something like that. Make a note. You can go back to it afterwards and potentially going forward that can be your thing. Yes. No, totally agree. This isn't the, uh, well, uh, you know, the, the rules say this, and then you have a 20 minute discussion about it in the gameplay for things like that. Like you said, just it's, it's a very quick, this is the way we're doing it now. We'll discuss it later. Nothing, you know, that happens quite a bit, actually, in a lot of different uh, games that I played where, you know, if you're playing with, you know, every single player has, is a DM and would rule something differently. It, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, whoever the DM is at that time, that's their rules. If you disagree with it, talk to them outside of it. Don't affect the gameplay. Everybody's having a good time. There's nothing worse than just completely stalling the progression of the game for rules lawyering or something like that. This has nothing to do with that. But like Ryan said, if it's something that's that's crossing a line that that you know you feel unsafe about or anything like that, you you stop that right there. You say, hey, this isn't what I signed up for. This is this goes against our session zero this, or, or something along those lines. And everybody just puts on the hard brakes and they say, okay, veer away from that. We're not even going to discuss it anymore. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And as when you are offering feedback. Don't necessarily just talk about the problem. So this is like number two, like don't just necessarily talk about the problems. Talk about actionable solutions too. Um, it's, this is, this is kind of where the constructive feedback comes into play. Um, feedback is far less valuable. If you say, Hey DM, this thing sucks. Yes, that is a form of feedback. Is there, <laughs> is that, is that great feedback? Uh, is that diplomatic feedback? Not as much. Is there anything actionable in that feedback? Not really. Mm-mm. It's basically just a flat, like I didn't like this or this thing sucks. Yeah. A better, a better version of that might be something like, Hey DM, I thought this mechanic didn't work super well when it came up in the game we were playing, could something be done to tweak it so that it is more fun? That's, that's maybe one version of it, or maybe something like if we made this thing have advantage, or if we made this thing, uh, do X, Y, Z, I think it would be more fun. Both of those are actionable feedback where the person who is taking the feedback can go, Oh, okay. I, I I see your point to that. Uh, thank you for the feedback or, Oh, that's interesting. That sounds really good. Or, Oh, that's on the right track. Let's talk about this and workshop it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, is 
being able to, you know, fully describe and, and, and speak on what the issue is or what the problem is, is important because it could be anywhere from, uh, like you said, like this mechanic didn't really work or, um, that new thing that you tried, I liked it, but I think it could be improved in this way or, you know, something along those lines all the way up to, um, Hey, I'm really not enjoying this right now because you're spending all your time focusing on this player and giving them all the loot. And, you know, basically you're turning them into main character where we're supposed to be a group. You know, there's different ways and, and levels of severity on uh, what you're able to bring up to your DM because you should be able to talk to them about anything that's going on in the game that just isn't, you know, kind of jiving with you. And, there might be some situations where, you know, you may be wanting like, you know, favoritism and they might say, Hey, that goes against everybody else's fun and everything as well. So when you are bringing criticism, look at it, make sure that it's kind of objective and you're able to, you know, kind of step aside and not be selfish about it as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and also as a player, or I should say as a DM who has also been a player, um, we DMs crave feedback. Yes. We might not say it. We might not. <laughs> we might not constantly be like, hey, give me feedback. Give me feedback. Because I, I know that that can be construed as as being annoying. Um, but as a DM, I immensely appreciate it. Whenever my players give me ad hoc feedback, like that was good. That was super cool. I liked X, Y, Z that we did. Uh, I like the, that custom thing we made. I think it's working out really well, mm -hmm. or I think it could be tweaked a little bit because this part of it is fun, but this part of it is just kind of boring or there's not enough to it or something like that. Uh, or I really like what we're doing. I want more of that. That type of ad hoc feedback, even without prompting, can be super helpful because as a DM, and Ben, you can tell me if you feel like this too. Uh, I think I've I know exactly where you're going. Got a little thing in the back of my head that's like, are your players really enjoying this? Like mm -hmm. they didn't mention anything. Like it seemed like everybody had a good time, but no one's saying anything. Did they, did they do good? Did that thing... Like, was it worth working eight hours on that encounter? <laughs> like, like, uh, it, it seems like people are having fun, but it's really hard to tell. Like, and then you have that, uh, that self doubt mm -hmm. and that like, you know, gnawing at you or that anxiety oh, yeah. or whatever. It, it, the thing is every single DM has imposter syndrome. Every single one. Um, Matt Mercer has it. Brennan Lee Mulligan has it. Abria has it. everybody has imposter syndrome because uh, as a DM, your job is to, you know, like help the flow of the story to build encounters, to, to bring the fun uh, or as much of it as you can contribute. And when we're not getting any sort of feedback of like, okay, is everybody actually enjoying this? Is everything going on? Then 
we don't know if again, that eight hours that we spent is worth it. You know, should we have only put in like an hour because nobody even enjoyed the thing in the first place. And, um, you know, we, I should have focused my, my attention elsewhere. And this is where as a player, it comes in extremely helpful to be all, Hey, I really like this RP in uh, session that we had the, this time, you know, it was a lot of fun. We were able to, to talk to a lot of NPCs. It was at a party. It was great. I'm also looking forward to the heist that we're going to be doing next session, you know, cause the party was the, the, the pre, the, 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 well, I guess the prequel to it so that you can get in the door and stuff, you know? Um, yeah, I I've had uh, people say, you know what? I enjoy this. I would like some more combat though. You know, they're, they're a player who loves to roll dice and, and hit things and stuff like that. So, you know what? I need to balance out RP and, and combat a little bit better. Um, it, it, it could be anything along the lines of, Hey, I really love the map that you did. It was very creative. It was a lot of fun. The mechanics that you put in there were amazing too. You know, it's, it, it could be anything from, you know, a tiny thing that you like to, to really help your DM know what it is that you're enjoying about the campaign, as well as, you know, problem areas that you might have, you know, feedback is, is one of the most important things about that. Because if I tell you my favorite things and you know that that's what I enjoy and everybody else has told you, and especially if they all line up in a row, you're going to get a lot more of the fun things that you like to do because the DM knows what's going on, what hits those like serotonin boosts in you. And you're like, yeah, this is great. Best campaign I ever played in right now, because, you know, we're able to, to RP, have fun, joke and laugh. And you know what, when, when, uh, the, the fighting gets down, it is serious. And we are just, you know, dodging left and right, ducking blows, firing spells off, cutting off heads of dragons. And, and you get the best of every world when you're able to communicate what the fun is that you're looking for in those games. I completely agree. And I think, uh, the, the other player tip that I have kind of stems from um, a lot of that, because, um, one thing that players don't necessarily think is feedback that DMs love is planning. Uh, and then I'm talking about not necessarily <clears throat> planning in session, although I, that is a form of it too, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Because the, the DM is there, they are listening, but extending that out in your group's text thread in your group's discord wherever your like collaborative space is outside the game planning putting uh putting out theories all that sort of thing that you do collaboratively between your fellow players in a space where the dm can see is feedback in a lot of ways one it's be a the it allows the DM to really know, Hey, that they're actually paying attention. They're engaged. They're, they're interested, uh, about this stuff in between sessions. And two, it can really help the DM one know what to plan for next. Where are the important mm -hmm. points? Where are, where are my players heads at? Uh, and two, they can help the DM mine for goodies, right? Like it cool. I, I cannot tell you the amount of times the players have just been shooting stuff back and forth between each other. And someone makes an offhanded comment. And in my mind, I go, that's, that would be way cooler mm -hmm. than what I had planned. 
Yeah. And that and that's canon now. Uh, so that type of stuff is extremely helpful because not only does it help make you more prepared, get you more immersed in the story as a player um, and potentially save time in the session, which is another huge thing. Because if you can do a lot of that planning and prep work between sessions in your collaborative space, you can save a lot of time during the session and get to the interesting stuff Mm -hmm. rather than take, you know, 45 minutes or an hour just going back and forth about what you should do. You might be able to preempt a good chunk of that by doing that collaborative planning in the in the between session time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I mean, best example, we had a 45 minute discussion on what to do with some horses when they had to cross a river. <laughs> it's an important thing to do to figure out. But you know what? That could have been done between sessions, but we we're in the middle. So eh, doesn't matter anyways. But no, um, especially like, you know, if the, the previous session was left off, it's like kind of a cliffhanger or battles about to start or uh, especially if you're going to be going up against like the BBEG. You know, this is one of those things where it's like, OK, we really need to kind of figure out some sort of plan, something going on or, you know, something that's going on. And um, as much as, as, as much fun as it is to like, you know, have a whole huge giant plan and have it be a mystery from your DM. It does benefit you to kind of clue them in because they'll be able to prep. They're going to be able to kind of, you know, not counteract your plan, but be able to like kind of accentuate things and help make some things happen and make them cooler than they would have been had they not known. And that's one of those things that, you know, as a player, you might not think that you want to do because, you know, sometimes you have that mindset of it's us versus the DM. That really isn't the way that it goes. No, it it is so much of of a, yeah. Of you working together to tell the best story. And you know what? If you have this really awesome plan of something that's going to happen and someone's going to be super heroic and everything, the DM can accentuate that and add to it in ways that you don't know because you're not aware of what's going on behind the scenes on their side. Yeah, I and I completely agree. I think I think this is something that some people get in their head that it is you versus the DM, that it's like this this PvP type game. Whereas and it in some cases it can be. Mm-hmm. Like you you have to be careful for combative DMs like that because unless you're looking for that very specific us versus the DM type game style which in my mind is a very niche type thing. Yeah. It's all about collaborative storytelling. So the more the DM knows the cooler stuff that the DM can allow to happen. Now secrets between players is one thing mm-hmm. that's I, I, that's a different element that can be story. That's uh, having those surprise reveals is a very fun part of storytelling. Yes. And such. I mean, you don't want to do it to the to the point of like really hurting everybody else or just to the point of I'm just being secretive to be secretive type type thing. Uh, there are there are certainly limits to that extent. But. The I, at least in my opinion, I don't think you should really have secrets from the DM. Because yeah. the DM can there's can be a lot of back and forth privately with the DM. Uh, 
the DM should know your backstory because the more your DM knows, the more cool stuff your DM can do within the game. If you're purposely holding stuff back, like sure in combat, maybe you can, maybe you have this, this killer play that you, you and the, and the team have, have worked out and you want it to be a surprise. That, that's a little, little different, but for the, for the most part, imparting as much information you, as you can with the DM will allow that collaborative storytelling to become even better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Completely agree with you on that. Um, okay. Let's, let's look at it from the DM side, right? Uh, there are a lot of tools that you can use to help necessitate a lot of the things we talked about on the player side without the players having to do all the work mm-hmm. or, or put forth all the effort, right? Because as a DM, we, we want to make sure there are avenues uh, that allow people to come to us uh, easier or provide that feedback easier or uh, perhaps even privately if it needs to needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, uh, something I'm instituting in my new game is uh, called Stars and Wishes. And essentially what that is, is we talked about it in session zero. It's just going to be something where we take the last five or 10 minutes of, of the session time, every session we have, and just go around the table and talk about uh, like what we liked, what were big moments, what was really cool, what are we looking forward to, seeing more of, that type of thing. And that's and it's something uh, I'm very excited for to build in that feedback loop mm-hmm. between myself and my players. Like that's I think that's going to be a really big thing, and it is much easier to do that if you do it from the get-go rather than trying to shoehorn it in like midway through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, after talking to you about this and everything, it's something that I definitely want to incorporate in my next campaign just because um, it's going to be a setting that I'm very unfamiliar with. I mean, I'll still be kind of homebrewing as well, but it's still spell jammer. So it's, an entirely different kind of thing. So being able to kind of hone in to, f- to figure out, you know, what sort of adventure my players are wanting and, and, you know, what they would look forward to and everything like that is going to be very important to me. Um, you know, I'll have, you know, a, you know, a good idea for an arc or something that, that could be fun, but if it turns out that it's, it's a, a, a quest or a, you know, they're just not picking up those breadcrumbs and, and finding them interesting, then kind of knowing what they're looking for is going to be the best way to give them the best story and adventure that they're looking for. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's, it's one of those, it's one of those things that I, I think I've mentioned this before. I'm also going to be using it for inspiration because inspiration is something I forget all the time. Uh, there's just a we lot of stuff going do. on. We all do. Um, and so this will be a nice built-in way, uh, to give that, uh, and I can then also take the feedback of the players. If everybody points to, uh, I don't know, Joey, Jared, or J- <laughs> I love that we both a J name. Uh, <laughs> if everyone points to, uh, our J name and says that guy did something super cool or I love how her 
uh, Rogue did the cool acrobatics off the building and came down, got the sneak attack damage and mm-hmm. just knocked the dude out. Like if, if multiple people are pointing to a moment that happened, that's a great way to go. Okay, cool. That person gets inspiration. Oh, totally. because that was a moment that everyone thought was super cool. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited for being able to do that and roll that in as well so that I can be more, uh, dependable and more consistent for for that. Plus, it encourages players to kind of, you know, think of things more theatrically and, you know, action-y and stuff. Um, you know, for, for something specific like that, there are also going to be other times where, you know, like, oh, I thought that when Cassidy over there was, you know, kind of breaking down her walls and, and talking to this NPC to, you know rescue them or something along those lines, that could be another thing too. You know, anytime that there's like big character moments, um, you know, just overall having inspiration be something that's very public that everybody sees that everybody can also agree on just kind of helps encourage everybody to RP more, to, to do more cool things or to take chances and risks, which sometimes, you know, they're so worried about losing their character or losing, you know, items or hit points or something along those lines that they're not taking those risks. But if you're rewarding them with the inspiration at the end, especially when everybody agrees on it, you just get that much more of a dynamic game. Yeah. Yeah. And if we want to talk even bigger, um, you have the option to do surveys. Mm -hmm. Uh, these are things that you would do most likely out of session. Uh, something you could create in a Google form or a Microsoft form or something like that uh, and put together questions uh, I about like the state of the game, what people are liking, what they want to see more of. If mm-hmm. there's any sort of feedback on the current story arc or any sort of feedback on uh their their character itself are they are, do they feel like they're getting enough of their backstory and do they feel like that uh, that's it's not being touched on enough it's it's a way to garner like uh, a a larger chunk of concentrated feedback depending on what you're wanting to see where you go hey can you take like five to fifteen minutes and fill this out like every six months or once yeah. a year. Or something like that. Or it's not something progress or something like yeah, those lines. Or, you know? Yeah, or maybe after each major arc or something like that. It's not something that you want to necessarily do all the time, especially if you're utilizing some of the other tools and getting mm-hmm. feedback uh, a little more immediately. But it's something uh, that can be really good to do every once in a while to get concentrated feedback uh, on the direction that you are going and uh, any other specifics that you might want to talk about that may have a little bit of a, you know, longer form answer or something. Yeah, exactly. It gives them room to, you know, completely open up about something to express, you know, bigger feelings. And it, it's like uh, at the end of every episode, how I say, Hey, you can reach us on blue sky. If you have more of a long form, you know, response or story or something, email us. It's, it's the, you know, like night and day differences on, on, uh, what you're going to do versus the, you know, stars and wishes versus a full survey where you're able to really, you know, open up, spread out and give those large answers. Exactly. And I mean, uh, 
just as long as we're talking about tools, and I know we've mentioned these types of things before, uh, there are plenty of uh, like player safety sheets uh, or consent sheets or lines and veils type thing uh, that you can also, there are very good feedback tools, mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, hi- highly recommend that you do those in session zero um, so that you can have those going that going forward. Uh, but it's all that's those are also tools that every once in a while you can check in with and just be like, hey, has this changed for anybody? Yeah, because life happens. Sometimes things aren't as big of a deal as they used to be for people. And sometimes certain things can become much bigger deals for people uh, than they used to be. So uh, re-upping that every once in a while is not a bad thing. Or especially if you did something like that in session zero, the as a player, it's never bad to reach out to your DM and hopefully you can trust your DM that that's, that's obviously one of the first, one of the first uh, big things uh, that's uh, for game comfortability and such, but uh, reach out to your DM and be like, Hey, this has changed for me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that you is, don't have to wait for that. If you have played more than just a couple sessions, you should be at that point with your DM because you, you should be able to understand kind of where they are, what their limits are and everything as well. And uh, you'll you'll know how much they respect you and your time at that point, because we we said it before, if they're not or if they're crossing those lines, if they're doing things that make you feel unsafe or uncomfortable, no D&D is better than bad D&D. So there's always going to be a game out there that you can find where you'll fit in and everything will feel right and safe. Yep, 100 percent, 100 percent. Okay. any other points ben that you wanted to hit uh that we we missed um as feedback goes not exactly i just want to just you know reconfirm and just say look feedback goes both ways i think that it's always good to have open communication with your players and also with your dm it's something that we've talked about many times over the course of 100 episodes um you know in fact it might be a common theme at this point but seriously just be open understand that everybody's here to enjoy the game and to have a good time Agreed. I I do I do like uh, reiterating uh, that no no D and D is better than bad D and D. As someone who's experienced experienced that, there is nothing that will uh, turn you off or burn you out quicker than like bad experiences like that. So yeah, I it's I always worth waiting for the right the right spot completely agree it's one of the reasons why i quit a campaign that eh, long story anyways one of the reasons why i quit a campaign yeah Uh, same here same here uh okay let's move on to our monster fixer oh boy this week we are going to specifically talk about a few different sets of golems uh that we have picked out so ben uh i'm gonna let you start uh, with one of your golem picks, uh, okay. tell us a little bit about it and tell us why it needs more things. <laughs> well, let me pull up the move list on it and I can tell you exactly why it means more things. Cause <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, you know, first of all, let me, let me say, uh, I think there's gotta be one thing in common between all the golems that we talk about. Uh, and that is going to be slam. So <laughs> that being said, 
Uh, yeah, let me tell you about some really cool stuff that I kind of came up with for the snow golem, which it's, you know, only like a CR three. It's not a big deal, um, but it's got a multi tack, which is slam Ooh. and it can throw snowballs, which, you know, that cool. Um, I, I'm assuming that there's like tiny rocks in there because you can take a little bit of damage from it and it is cold damage. All of it is cold damage because again, snow golem. Um, I did come up with a couple things to make it a little more interesting though. Uh, first off, what kind of snow golem wouldn't make the air around it colder? So therefore every time it takes a step, any, any, any square that it's in, it turns into ice. It is difficult terrain as it's walking around. It's just leaving this path of just ice behind it. You know, it doesn't matter um, whether it's, it's rocks, whether it's, it's water, whether it's, you know, more snow, anything beneath its feet just turns into ice. And I love the fact that it's changing the terrain as it's moving around. Now, the second one, I kind of rolled with the snowballs a little bit more and maybe I kind of thought about the, uh, the Disney's frozen fever short that happened where, <laughs> where Elsa would like sneeze and then little tiny snowmen would kind of appear and stuff. Well, I thought the best part on this is the golem just kind of pulls bits of himself off and then, you know, throws them out and they turn into little tiny minion snowmen. So I, I, I figure like, you know, uh, the move is, uh, you know, one D four snowballs just get pulled out of his chest and thrown. And then they turn into little tiny golems, you know, little versions of himself. Um, another example is, uh, look at cold miser from the year without a Santa Claus. He's got a ton of little minions that look exactly like him running around. So same exact kind of thing. Uh, and then last but not least, I thought, you know, slam is great, but wouldn't something a little bit more scary, scarier and possibly deadlier be even more like freakishly cool with a snow golem. And that Always. is icicle. Yeah. He just poof. I mean, he's able to, to step and freeze the ground. Why not be able to just, you know, conjure icicles out of his hands or something, or maybe it's a claw or something along those lines. And it has a piercing attack with it. And the thing is, if you're successful and you pierce, he can break it off and leave that in you grow another one. You know, you can use it as like defense as a sword, you know, for pairing or something. If you want, you can use it as slashing damage. But my imagination had it piercing, just like, you know, leaving an icicle in someone, breaking it off and then going after someone else. I just think that that's really freaking creepy and scary and kind of cool all at the same time. Uh, no, it's a it's a it's a fun, like fantasy image. And I think that's that's one of my biggest issues with especially a lot of the older mm -hmm. monsters um that i and, and let's be fair they've not been completely remedied in any way even with the the newer books uh although i do believe they have gotten better yes um i think there there's still a, a lot of a lot of fun work that could be done yeah. they're better they're not the best yeah exactly and so Anything I think that really lends flavor to a monster, even if it's not necessarily, um, even if it's not necessarily that like flashy or exceptional, mm -hmm. instead of a slam, it is it is an icicle type thing that where potentially something a little extra can happen. Like that's that is far more flavorful and gives the DM a lot more to work with off the bat. 
and instead of making them do the work mm-hmm. and and put all that thought into it. Yeah. So I had fun with that. Uh, but, but before I do my second one, uh, what about you? I know that uh, we both got two of them to kind of throw out there. Uh, which one did you want to start with? Let's start with ye oldie flesh golem. Uh, this is you and exactly <laughs> this is a a cr5 uh golem it it shares a lot of the golems share um similar attributes like mm-hmm. like the magic resistance uh the uh immutable form which yes. makes it immune to effects that alter their their form um so like the flesh golem has a lot of cool passives like the immutable form, like the magic resistance, uh, like lightning absorption, where anytime it takes lightning damage, it heals. That's cool. Uh, if it takes fire damage, it's it's got an aversion to fire. That's that's you know cool too. They're all passives though. Uh, yeah. The flesh golem in particular has two slam attacks. That's it's that is literally all of its actions. Ooh. Two slam attacks. It does have a cool a, a cool passive called berserk which uh when it starts its turn with 40 hit points or fewer you roll a d6 and on a six the golem goes berserk and it just attacks the nearest creature it can see until like it's it's uh creator uh says not to mm-hmm. and then it's gotta gotta make a check um but again uh it, it's a small deal and it doesn't have a super high chance of happening it's one in six. It's only it's only a six. So <clears throat> let's let's make this a little more interesting. Let's give it more actions that it can do. Right. So I was thinking yeah. flesh golem <clears throat> or even just like a, a, a this type of a of a monster. Uh, the first thing I thought of was grafting. This thing is put together from different pieces. You can make this so much more interesting. If you think outside the humanoid box. Yeah, it doesn't have to be Frankenstein's monster. No, like it could have a grafted like claw limb on it. So there's there's so much stuff you could do if you're if you're talking about a flesh golem that is made up of different parts. Maybe it's got a dragonborn head grafted to the top of a human body. And so you get a breath attack with it. Cool. That's something that's something extra it can do now. That's a a cone damage attack. You could just steal that from multiple other stat blocks, right? So that's that's something you could do. Uh, You could graft on multiple arms. You could grab to increase the amount of attacks you could do. Increase the ability to grapple multiple things. That's Mm kind of cool, too. you could graft on multiple legs. Maybe it's got extra speed because of that. You could even go further and assign the limbs hit points. Yeah. Especially grafted on the, the grafted on ones. You could assign them the AC and hit points and allow your players to target them. And this is one of those cool things uh, we talked about, I, I forget the episode we talked about this in, uh, where we talked about uh, combat and foreshadowing. 
uh, abilities and such and allowing like, uh, basically, uh, describing in such a way that, uh, or, or providing some sort of context that the players see that allows them to know that this special thing could happen. Like maybe a player hitting something and I say, you hit an arm. The arms AC was this. Oh yeah. It looks like you hit the arm falls off. Then players go, Oh, Oh, we can target limbs. That's interesting. So it's, it's something you could easily, easily work in or work with to where you have a bunch of extra stuff on these flesh golems that make them more powerful. And, but the players can get rid of it as they fight it and make it weaker. Uh, so that's super, super cool. So something like that, uh, for one and for two, uh, if you want to lean into like the body horror type thing, mm-hmm. uh, when in talking about grafting, what if the flesh golem could do stuff to you, the oh. player, uh, using limbs, making it so your legs fuse together. If you don't make a con save or something like that to make it to where it cuts your speed in half or completely, uh, completely immobilizes you, uh, until you heal until you get any sort of healing. This, this thing used magic to fuse your skin together, fuse your hands together, fuse your legs together, fuse your arms together. You know, that, that, that very much leans into the, you know, the body horror type, type, uh, experience. But that's also something you as a DM could really play up. And also for your characters, that's super scary. Because, oh, no, I can only use my hands together in a fist holding my weapon right now. Kirk fight. This gives me disadvantage on swings because of how awkward it is. Or, yeah, or the leg thing where like, oh, no, I'm hopping everywhere right now. <laughs> Uh, and every time, or maybe I have my full movement, maybe I have half movement, but every time I do move, I have to make a dex save to not fall prone. Ooh, that's, that's all of a sudden kind of interesting now, uh, and has a risk reward type thing. Uh, and then being able to figure out, oh, if I get healing, it cures this affliction. So there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff you can do, do with it to make it more than just a slam machine. And you know what? I will tell you, I would, <laughs> I'm, I'm horrible like this, but mix uh, your number one and number two. So give the golem extra arms so that it can grapple more than one person and then fuse the people together. And then that is just creepy and scary. And I don't like that. And I'm sorry that I said it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff you could do. Uh, a lot of cool stuff you could do with with something like that uh i could even see like a a boss type version of that that does those those types of bigger things uh that does those types of scarier things the flesh crafter golem or Mm -hmm. something something like that yeah and if you wanted to you can also say you succeed by a certain amount or something maybe have it rebound back on the golem itself 
I mean, if it's yeah. if it's doing something pliable like that, it it's a freaky magic thing. You never know what can happen. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's that's flesh flesh golem. Yeah. So uh, my second one, um, I wanted something like super exotic and things that you know you might not really ever see in a normal campaign. And this one is actually uh, pulled from uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. It is the glasswork golem. I think this is really cool. Um, so first of all, it, it does have a false appearance where if it's embedded in a window and motionless, uh, it has advantage on its initiative. And uh, if you know you don't uh, beat the investigation check, you don't know that it's even there as a golem. I think that's really cool. Um, but it does have the immutable form um, and it does have a regeneration to it as well, which is actually pretty great. Um, but if they take bludgeoning or thunder damage, it doesn't work You know, until their next turn kind of a normal thing on that. So this is the most surprising thing. You're going to like this. It has a, a multi attack. It does not have a slam attack though. It has a glass sword for its attacks, which I mean, that's pretty cool. Got to say that that's, that's, um, that's better than a slam attack. Exactly. But it also has a bonus action already built into it, which is pretty cool. And it's a dazzling light, which basically it's just a DC of 10, but I mean, it's a challenge level two. So, you know, not, not horrific, but, um, it, it can, uh, blind, uh, you know, players for a minute. So, you know, kind of cool. You're using the idea of, you know, glass and light. It emits its own light for this, which, you know, I think is kind of a little bit of a cop out, but whatever, it's fine. Um, what I came up with though, to add on top of that though, is if it's a sunny day outside, I really think that if the, the glass golem kind of, you know, turns itself the right way, it can focus some of that sunlight and basically just make a laser of some sort, <laughs> or, you know, just basically, um, uh, uh, give them a single burning ray or two or something, depending on how the, the whole, you know, lattice work of the glass is set up and stuff, you know, just like. You know, I've got a magnifying glass and I'm, you know, burning holes in leaves and stuff like that. Exactly. Love that. Um, secondly, though, because it's got a crystal sword and it's made of freaking glass. Shard toss would be the next best thing where it just pulls out pieces of broken glass and just throws them like ninja stars or something. What's, at what's worse than broken glass? I know. I've seen die hard. It's a bad thing. <laughs> but uh, I just I absolutely love the idea of just being on like. You know, maybe it, it even punches part of itself to shatter some of the glass to throw out or something like that. I mean, you have a lot of like kind of cool RP things that you can kind of do with this. Um, and then last but not least, I love the idea that, you know, because I'm picturing like basically a stained glass window come to life. I'm like, did you ever see like the the young Sherlock Holmes adventures like from forever ago? Like Spielberg yeah, did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. one of the first uh, computer animated characters this night jumps out of a glass window. This is exactly what I'm thinking. Yes. Of. Yes. I love the idea of having, uh, for the, the, the glasswork, uh, golem so that it has a color shift so that all the color drains from it. So it's see-through, you can still tell where it is, but it gives you disadvantage because it's harder to identify like where some of the weak points might be. So it has like a good kind of defensive measure to it as well. I, just thought that'd be something that'd be kind of cool to be there. You're finding it. Then all of a sudden it, it like predators on you and you could just, you know, not fully see it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's super cool. I'm just going to put glassware cool. golems in every encounter going forward. Cause I think they're really cool. 
No, that's a fun imagery. That's fun imagery because I know exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. with the stained glass window uh, night thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Good. I'm so glad you did because otherwise I'd be like, oh no, that's, I'd, I'd have to, to stop it's been the a show long time since I've watched right that. now and then, yeah, pull it up on YouTube for you. But yeah. Good movie, by the way. If you haven't seen yeah. it, check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyways, what, what's the, the second golem that you chose? Okay. So, final, final one we'll talk about Stone Golem. Ooh. I, I chose this one because it's, it's a CR 10. Which means uh, it's so it's got like a 17 AC, mm-hmm. 178 hit points. It's got you know immunity to poison and psychic damage, and then bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, non-magical. Uh, it's got the immutable form. It's got the magic resistance, mm-hmm. which gives it the advantage. Um, so this thing is probably going to be around for a few rounds. Most likely yeah. it's being it's got a decent amount of hit points, it's got a decently high AC and it's got decent resistances. It's got. Wait for it. Two slam attacks. What? Two slam attacks. It does have one extra thing. Oh, it's got a slow. Oh, where the golem can target one or more creatures. It can see within 10 feet of it. Uh, and the target has to make uh, each target has to make a. DC 17 wisdom save uh, or, you know, you basically get slowed. Can't take reaction speed halved. Can't make them more than one attack. Okay. I mean, I don't Uh, think it makes sense, but okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's one of those recharge things. So it only recharges on a five or six. So most of the time you're going to be slamming. Mm Mm-hmm. For things that are going to last probably a few rounds, let's give it more interesting stuff. Definitely. Let's give it more interesting stuff, especially if it's going to have to use one of its uh, one of its whole actions, just trying to slow people who are close to it. Um, so one of the things I thought would be pretty cool. Uh, you could do it, play it just like your. Uh, your snow golem. Mm-hmm. Right. Is everywhere it's walking, it's creating this mud. It's creating this rough terrain. Potentially, uh, one other cool thing, give it a ranged attack with a radius. Allow it to create rough terrain as a bonus action. Oh, that's cool. Like here's a 20 foot radius uh, that uh, you can cast 30 or 60 feet and you can make this big old circle of like mud or quicksand or, you know, something, something that would be either difficult terrain or dangerous terrain, Mm -hmm. uh, potentially, uh, that then you could use and, uh, slow people down. Right. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, two, this is stone golem. Why can't it make a wall of stone? Yeah. Why not? Let it create, let it create barriers. Let it create sight lines. Let it create, uh, stuff to blockade, barricade, funnel, all those, you know, different sorts of things that change the combat up, especially if you've got a lot of players that can't fly or can't necessarily climb 15 or 20 feet straight up a solid rock. Like you exactly. can't, you can't climb, you can't climb something with no handholds. You can't, you gotta figure out another way around. 
unless you're a muck because they're ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, something like that. Uh, or kind of around that same thing in prison. Ooh. Maybe pull up some walls around a specific target. Make them figure out how to get out. Yeah. Make the player come up with a creative way to either one, break it with like bludgeoning damage or two, figure out how to climb it or figure out some way to scale it uh, with, with an item they might have or make them blink out of it or misty step out of it or, you know, something like that or create a situation where the other players have to work to free that person. Oh yeah. <laughs> if they're, if they're important. Oh no. Our cleric got imprisoned. All of a sudden they don't have line of sight to anything anymore. We better go help our cleric out, uh, and create, uh, those additional objectives that are more than just kill this thing. Because now, oh, we are cut off from our healing source or uh, our ranged character is is cut off. Uh, So very interesting, interesting things like that. Uh, Lots of lots of battlefield control. Uh, I know one of the one of the cool things I really love about uh, the new MCDM monster book is they have uh, like tags for their different monsters like i think there's like six to eight of them like artillery or tank or specialist or you know whatever so like turn turn this stone golem into a specialist this is like a battlefield control type thing you've got slow you've got stone walls popping up you've got imprisoning you can do you've got dangerous or or difficult terrain you can make things that change up the battlefield and make it less stack exactly that's really cool i'd like that and i mean what better than a uh, monster than a stone golem. I mean, you're walking around on stone. Haven't be able to manipulate it. It totally works. I like it a lot. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I loved your golem stuff too. Oh, well, thank you. Now let's have our golems fight. Yeah. <laughs> Yours will win. Cause you've got the, the, the CR 10 or whatever, but let's yeah. have them fight. <laughs> <laughs> What about you all? Do you have any suggestions for golems uh, that you may have ran in your game that you may have improved yourself? Please let us know. We would love to talk more because Monster Fixer is definitely one of our favorite segments uh, and is something we will uh, definitely be continuing to do over the next uh, 100 episodes. All right. So just a few supplemental talking points to to hit on real fast. Uh, From an official standpoint, the book of many things is out. Only on digital (laughs) because they had the physical uh, hiccups uh, with their factory and they're having to do reprints. And I have not seen a new date for that to come out. Uh, Hopefully soon, though, although I know it can take a little while to do a mass printing and then get it shipped to wherever it needs to go. So uh, it's possible that that'll bleed into December or potentially even, you know, January, January 5th. Actually, I just went to the uh, website 10 hours. Oh, they have it up now. Yep. Yep. We anticipate the product to be being in players hands and in U.S. store starting January 5th. Okay. So it will be, uh, it will be shortly after uh, the new year. Well, good. (laughs) Glad you checked. Cause yeah, that's a, 
that was just recently posted. So if you ordered a physical or won a physical after the first of the year, uh, shortly after the first of the year, you'll be able to get those online uh, and in your friendly local game store. Yay. Also, I know we mentioned this before, uh, but D&D Beyond is actually embarking on creating a virtual tabletop, not Mm -hmm. the 3D one, which we haven't heard a lot more of uh, recently, but a 2D one. Uh, And I would compare it very much to something like uh, Owlbear Rodeo Mm -hmm. right now versus something like a Foundry or a Roll20. It's still very early. It's an alpha access. It's actually only available to Master Tier subscribers currently. I know they've talked about uh, eventually opening that up to everybody to use, um, but it just got its monthly update, and they're doing monthly updates. They have a roadmap for it and everything. We'll have a link to that in the show notes if you want to check a, take a look at it. But one of the big things uh, that I would say, actually, it's actually almost ready for prime time in the fact that it can is getting fairly close to comparing to something like Albert Rodeo, but with the D and D beyond integration. So you can actually see like your digital roles and such on the scroll. It'll have the token, all the official tokens for monsters and such easily creatable. Um, and of course your players, uh, and everything. So it's got, it finally got the ruler control, which was one of the big things it was uh, <laughs> it was missing. Um, and one of the other really cool things it has is they are every month now they are adding several more books worth of maps. Mm-hmm. So all like these official maps um, that are coming either in books or with adventures or something, they are slowly adding into DMD Beyond. So if you're running those modules, you are able to use them. So right now they cover their uh, adventure atlas, the mortuary, which is like the little standalone thing they did with Planescape, the Bigby presents Glory of the Giants, Candlekeep, Curse of Strahd, Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, Giants of the Starforge, Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostbraden, Keys of the Golden Vault, Found Devler and Below, Shattered Obelisk, Planescape, Adventures in the Multiverse, Taldori, Campaign Setting, Reborn, uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, and the Book of Many Things. Uh, all have their maps integrated with this new system, which is super cool. And so they have indicated they will be adding more books and more adventures uh, every month as they go. So that could also uh, certainly increase the viability and usefulness for people who are looking to run not anything super complicated, but if uh, you want to set thing up, they do have fog of war type thing. Um, and uh, it's 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 looking very viable. It's something I could see myself using without having to set up Foundry if I found myself having to run a game online. Yeah, no this this is something that I'm actually going to be switching to because uh, currently I'm using Albert uh, Rodeo, and the fact that everything's just going to be integrated right into my D and D Beyond experience. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be switching to that once yeah. we uh, pick back up. The one thing that I want now is just a pointer. That's all I need. Other than that, I think it's got mostly everything that I'd want. Yeah, they're, they're, they're getting there. Yep. Oh, de- definitely. There. Yeah. Within, I, within a few months, I, if they keep pace 
Uh, I, I mean, to be fair, it's really good to see some new like D&D Beyond development because it mm-hmm. feels like uh, that and I, it still feels like this. The the main core functionality has been there. It's good, but it's been very stable for a very long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really want them to go back and continue to add functionality within the main site to bring encounters from beta to live. Right. Uh, and upgrade the homebrew experience uh, and make it far more user friendly and far easier to do. So I, but VTT is nice An integrated VTT is nice. So uh, if you are a master tier subscriber right now and want to check it out, uh, you just need it. And then all your players can access it. Yep. Uh, Finally, this is coming out before Thanksgiving. So one happy Thanksgiving to those in the U S our U S people. Yep. Uh, and usually with Thanksgiving comes the Black Friday Cyber Monday sales. Yeah. Uh, so um, be sure to check out all your your spots. Uh, there are usually a lot of D&D type sales. Usually your friendly local game store will have some sort of sales going on. Uh, Amazon almost always has uh, D&D books on sale as well. Uh, your local uh, bookstores may have uh, deals going on. And then almost always, and this is not confirmed yet, but uh, at least in pretty much all previous years, DMs Guild has some sort of a sale in the Black Friday, Cyber Monday timeframes. So if you're looking to get some good DMs Guild deals uh, Thursday to Monday uh, of this week, is usually a really good time to look as a lot of creators will have their stuff on sale. And there is obviously a ton of good content within the DMs Guild. Definitely. Yeah, I'm... That's the hardest thing is uh, there's so many supplements, everything's on sale. It's like, I want it all, but I can't afford it all. But now I'm one step closer thanks to the sale. That's right. Or there's no possible way I'll be able to actually use all of this. Yeah, true. But it's super cool. <laughs> eh, you know what? You just need to live to live to be 200. You'll be able to use all of that content. Oh, yeah. If only. <laughs> all right. So with that, that uh, pretty much wraps our episode up. Uh, episode 100. How exciting. But uh, before we go, as always, uh, we usually like to talk a little bit about what we're doing in our game. So Ben, have you been playing DMing, doing anything recently? I have not been DMing, but uh, we did start our uh, kind of uh, give row a break uh, mini camp or, you know, three or four shot or something like that uh, in plus five to hit. Uh, it is actually a level 20 adventure and uh, I'm excited. It's, it's a pretty cool concept. It's uh, pretty much entirely homebrew. And uh, so check it out. I believe the episode's up. If not, it should be soon. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, you know me. I'm always a proponent of more tier four. I'm playing a level Thanks. 20 monk. And Ooh. because it's level 20, uh, sometimes you don't read everything as much as you should uh, before. Uh, as a level 20 monk, apparently I know every language. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
It's pretty cool. There's so much, so much that can happen at level 20. Level oh, yeah. 20 is awesome. So much so. But uh, you, I know that uh, you, you're starting up your new campaign and everything. How'd that go? Uh, like I said, session zero is done. We will be starting the actual campaign proper come January, uh, early January, you know, due to holidays and such. There's always um, a lot of scheduling things and whatnot. So I wanted to wait until we were able to just kind of start fresh in the new year. <clears throat> session zero's out of the way. Players are working on backstories right now. I'm working on doing integrating them into the world, getting NPCs ready, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, all very excited for it, though. So that should be a lot of fun. So in, until that happens, uh, one of the players is running a little like three shot type homebrew uh, mini adventure uh, that they, I believe, hope to publish Ooh, someday fun. Um, on DMs Guild or something like that. So uh, we're kind of doing a, a little play test of that. Um, we did the first session. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm playing a uh, I'm playing the talent class from MCDM uh, level five, uh, super fun character concept. Uh, the talent for those that don't know is like psionics. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yes. The Meg, the, the uh, doctor, uh, the doctor, the uh, professor Xavier uh, 11, you know, those those type of characters, Jean Grey. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun. It's definitely I would rate it as one of the most complicated classes to play. It is not a not a class, uh, not something I would put a, uh, for a beginner mm-hmm. <laughs> player. Um, there's a lot to keep track of, a lot to do, especially, you know, without D&D Beyond, D&D Beyond really spoils you, honestly, in a lot of oh, ways yeah. as far as tracking and spells and such, uh, especially. But uh, I I was able to wrap my my head around it, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and the character concept is super fun. The class is incredibly well done uh, and is was was made. Uh, it just you can you can tell a lot of love and a lot of work and a lot of play testing went into it. So I'm I'm having a blast. Uh, so we'll be doing that for the next month, month and a half until um until we start the campaign proper in the new year oh and i should also mention uh i think up until the 27th hero forge is having their their annual sale which means you can get like 50 percent off uh the digital stl files and you can get like 20 percent off physical minis and such so if you are doing a campaign and you're looking to make yourself your own mini uh that is a great option because they have a ridiculous amount of customization that okay. you can do. Yeah. Hero Forge is, is a fantastic place to go. Customize your mini. Um, one year, uh, some of my players gave everybody a, a gift card to it for, you know, to create their own character and, and bring it into the campaign and stuff. And all of them turned out great. And, uh, you know, I'm getting the weekly email of what's new every single week since then. And they've got so much that you can, can do with those. Yeah. So if you're looking for minis to make your character come to life, to use for your own campaign, doesn't even necessarily have to be be D and D. It could be Pathfinder. It could be, you know, uh, anything you, you would use physical minis for, uh, 
the the creator is is wild and how many options it has now so uh definitely check that out as there is a sale going on for a little bit uh and with that i think that brings us to the end of the episode so uh of course before we go ben why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached of course um, as we've mentioned before, uh, you can find us on dndiscussions.com. That's where 99 other episodes are found. That's right. Episode 100. That means there's 99 more. Check us out. Um, aside from that, though, if you want to contact us, you can always uh, send us an email. That's going to be dndiscussions at gmail.com. We love hearing from you about your campaigns, about your one shots, about uh, what you can do to fix a golem. Because you know what? There's a lot of them out there, like a lightning golem. What do you do with that? It's pretty cool. Um, if you're looking for us on social media, though, uh, you can find us on Blue Sky. You're at DN Discussions. Ryan is at TBK Zord. I am at Ben Bumhofer. And if you want to try to talk to us directly, guess what? We have a Discord channel. Uh, the link to that, or, or an invite link to that, will be in the show notes. So definitely check that out on DNDiscussions.com. And I think that's everything. So, with that being said, happy 100th episode ryan happy 100 it is always a pleasure talking to you i'm looking forward to the next 100 and all the shenanigans we will get into but everybody until then roll well and be good to each other take care i will see you soon